So anyway, that's why they call me Tucker Carlson's Spare Plastic Cock. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podquisition. That's the name of the podcast we do. It's, yeah, uh, it, it's we're not making a joke that it's a different show this week. No, we, we, no. We are, we're going straight into the real title. Yeah, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> the first time I said it, that was not... For some reason, even though I've not done it for years, and I've done this show longer... For some reason, every now and then, I still just slip into some weird mental muscle memory and say a different podcast. I totally get you. Like, when I was, for a little while, doing Rapids uh, Kingdom Battle videos, I kept wanting to say, we'll have another episode of Skyward Sword for you again tomorrow. Oh, wow. that's it's like that's been a while since I did that series. Why are you bit. in my head? Yeah, <laughs> um, just, every so often, just a thing will get stuck in your head, and that's what your mouth wants to do. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. And I've got into a lot of trouble for the things my mouth wants to do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's funny because I could be talking about blowjobs, but I could be talking about the legitimate times my big fucking mouth's gotten me into trouble. <laughs> um, hello, Laura. You are here on Podquisition as always. How are you, my lovely friend? I am fantastic. We had a bit of chat before we started this week, and I I think we're gonna have a good show. Like I'm I'm feeling the vibe today. I think I think we've got something special going on today. I'm feeling the vibe as well, but it's the only way I can keep the energy up on the show. I was talking about dildos up my ass, audience. I was talking about oh. dildos up my ass. Well, when you're done with it, can you can you give it back to me? Because I'm, I'm gonna need it back sometime. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll run a wet wipe over it before I hand it back. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Um, That's fine. As long as it passes like the <laughs> sniff test, it will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, what a great time we're having already. Um, Gav's not here today. Gavin is um, basically wandering the earth. He's, he's, he's carved a symbol into his head. He said he's going to wander the earth. And I don't know where else I'm going with this. That was just uh, off the fly. I, I, I can tell you where we're going with this. Okay. Uh, he, he heard rumour of a stone atop a mountain. And if you go and pray at it, you can trap certain musicians there that like to sing at the top of mountains and occasionally intrude on the podcast. Aha! Aha! He's he's gone on his quest to see if he can try and uh, (laughs) get very quiet musicians at the top of mountains to stay in a rock up the top of the mountain and not follow him back. That sounds like a very noble quest, and I wish him, our musical paladin, the very best in his future endeavours. I wish him good fortune in the wars to come. Gav will be back. He's uh, he's taking a week off. Uh, so it is Laura and I holding down the fort, and I think we'll hold down the fort pretty well. I hope so. I think we've got some, like, good... Bad news to talk about. It's gonna be a fun all week. It's we gonna be some, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. We got some good chat. We got some good stuff to talk about. We've already got the dildos out of the way, so we're we're efficient today. Very efficient today. Um, <laughs> forgive me. I'm a little bit beat up today. Uh, yesterday we recorded uh, two episodes of Commentocracy um, in a rare rare move, um, just to show you how. How every ever so often we edge just an inch toward professionalism. Um, we're doing episodes in advance. So we did two episodes for this Thursday and the next Thursday. Uh, that was like... It was only an hour and a half's filming. Uh, but it was just to get two four-minute videos. Uh, and I'm not used to that. That's not how I operate. I know. This is... This is um, am I sure that I am recording with the gym that I know? Because... 
You're recording <laughs> recording content weeks in advance of when you need it. I I I don't know. I I I I feel I must leave. This is not the gym that I came to podcast <laughs> with. And I should point out, it's not usually. It's not usually laziness that does that. It's it's just the way I operate. Like I can't. I don't like doing work in advance because as soon as I've done the work, I want the work up. So I normally <laughs> do work like day and day. Um, exceptions being spin-off doctors, which is normally a Thursday that we record and I put it up on the Tuesday. Well, podcast in general, you know, they've got to mm. get recorded and stuff. And uh, this, you know, we're doing this today on Wednesday. It'll go up Thursday. But normally, especially with video stuff, if I've got the content, I want people to see the content. So I'll do it day and date. Uh, Gymquisition, of course, I, I, I take a few days to do because that's my big production thing. Uh, something like Commentocracy, though, um, it really pays to get all of that makeup on and then just do more than one episode so I don't have to keep putting the makeup on. Um, yeah, 90 minutes of work, and yet I feel like I've had the shit kicked out of me. Part of it is because I'm fat, obviously, and standing up and and uh, bunny hopping and doing some of the other stuff <laughs> I was doing um, is, is a intensive for a fat boy. But even so... Um, just the act of standing there and being Duke Emiel Duardcore is exhausting. It is. It is. It, it really can't be overstated how tiring it can be just to talk sometimes when you've got to talk like that for a long time. Uh, but hopefully it's worth it. The the first well the first episode was. It hadn't come out when we recorded last time. I'll allow myself a little self-indulgence and talk about the show a little bit. But uh, it went up on the Thursday. Um, there was a typo in the first screen, which upset the hell out of me because of my anger issues. And I get really upset by little mistakes. Um, but thank you so much for the response. People seem to really love it. Uh, people generally enjoyed the hell out of it it started a legit argument on neo gaff about elitism which was just funny and another forum another forum of actual hardcore rpg nerds found it didn't find it funny and reacted so impeccably that season one of commentocracy is going to have an incredible finale uh, based on those people, so that's going to be great. So anyway, that's that. That's a bit of self indulgence out the way. Thank you for the support, Commentocracy. Right. I'm very proud of it. I want to kind of, yeah. you know, I everyone, want it to be a everyone, big thing. Everyone needs to be a little self indulgent every now and then, because because when you make cool stuff, you gotta you know revel in it and be like, yeah, I did a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm not slapping a Marie Antoinette wig on my head for nothing. Um, <laughs> I was blown away by the, you know, I thought most of the time when I debut something, the debut figure's going to be about 50,000 views. You know, I mean, it's not like A-list YouTube material, but it's decent. It's a decent thing. Um, but we, we, we got well in excess of that, and it is my hope that that this is sort of a big deal. I think it could be. The, it's, it's one of the few times I've had an idea, and I'm like, I've got actual gold in my hands here. So, fingers crossed, it'll it'll go on from strength to strength and not just peter off, but we're doing a, a season of that, that'll be like six to eight episodes, then it's Loose Boys, because I know people have been asking about that, but it turns out animation is hard. Uh, who knew? 
Who knew animation would be time-consuming? What? You, you don't just, like, plug the audio into the computer and it is animated? No, no, no. It, it, um, although, funnily enough, with the advancements of, of animation, some of that's true. Um, we were blown away by what we could do with software itself, but there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, you know, it, I, I love the, that we were able to hire Justin and it's taken a lot of the workload off me, but that that's still a lot of workload. So it's still both of us. Are, basically, I hired someone to be as snowed under as I am. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's how we work. But we're doing great. And Justin is, is knocking out some incredible work. So good. That's that. I'm going to start wait, doing wait, wait, vlogs. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to start doing vlogs, I think, so I can talk about this stuff in more detail and not waste your time um, and just talk to you about it. Um, well, there's how... nothing wrong with doing it here. I enjoy having our little chit-chats with well, you. You nice keep me up chat. to up. Yeah, you know, you keep me up to date on what's going on in your work life. It's a nice little time. Yeah, we're having a nice little time. Um, how have you been? What have you been up to this week? I mean, we'll have a little talk about what we've been up to this week and then we can use that to talk about the games we've been playing. I need to have a look at what I did this week because I can't remember because I took like four <laughs> days off. Uh, I took a long weekend because I can That's take good. days off now and have holiday and stuff. And that was really nice. Oh, uh, I've been I've been doing some investigative work. Uh, I've been working on a feature that should be up at the time that this goes up about the PlayStation Vita. Looking Ooh. at just like the whole timeline of that console, where things were going right, where they went wrong, and the sort of ups mm. and downs of its lifespan. So that that's, was... that's going to be useful because I've been considering doing one of my um, post-mortem episodes. Every now and then mm. I'll do a, a post-mortem Jimquisition about a certain game. Never tried it for a product, but I've, I, I've got very mixed feelings about the PS Vita. Most of them yeah. feelings of tragedy. Uh, so oh, that would be a good resource when well, that goes it, up. So let me that, know when that that's is... up. I, that should be up the same day as this pod goes, uh, pass, podcast goes up. I can do pod ghost. Pod ghost. <laughs> the pod ghost is up. Woo! That but was no, my ghost. I, I spent an afternoon with Kaz and McDonald and we just kind uh-huh. of, you know, just went through like what were the big moments that defined that system. And a lot of them are really disappointing, really sad mm-hmm. things. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, that should be up by the time this goes up. The one I Otherwise, always I'd, remember I'd, in terms of... of, of... The thing that that spoke to me the, the the most about what a disappointment the Vita was, in terms of Sony's support of it, and, and like mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a piece of machinery, I adore it. But as a thing, as something greater than the sum of its parts, it's so much lesser than the sum of its parts. Uh, and the thing that I always found was the most telling was how much they hyped up the PS1 games. The PS1 classics <laughs> are coming to Vita. And I like a lot of old PS1 games. Um, like many people did. It's not exactly wacky to say that. But old games in particular, I tend to prefer portable. So I was really excited about PS1 games coming to PS Vita. And when it happened, a couple of them were available to download directly on the storefront for PS Vita. And the rest of them, if you wanted to get them, you had to... And I can't remember the the, the whole convoluted process, but it was like 
download them onto your PS3, but don't install them. Leave them in their little pre-installation bubble. Um, transfer that over to the V. Like, it was all this fucking transferring of, like, roundabout ways. And eventually Sony just gave up. It was like, after that, it was a couple of weeks where a new PS1 game might appear on the Vita store here and there. Mm. But then, boof, just stopped. They just gave up. I think there were two big things that stood out to me as, like, the two key problems that killed that system. Mm -hmm. And I think one of them was Monster Hunter making the jump from the PSP to the 3DS rather than the Vita. Uh, that was a real big nail in its co- uh, in sort of the Vita's coffin in Japan right when it launched because like I think it was like a month or two after the Vita launched, Monster Hunter on the 3DS, not on the Vita, mm-hmm. and that like really crippled its sales in Japan at launch. The big thing that I think killed it in the West was Borderlands 2, which was their first big attempt at like oh here shit is, here I is, forgot yeah, that was yeah. It, it was their big chance to say, hey, we kind of sold this to you as a, you know, console quality games on the go. And then it ran at, like, at best below 30 FPS. And bad. at worst, it was unplayable. And yeah. It's like, I, I think that pair was like, in Japan, it died because it lost Monster Hunter. In America and England and Europe, it died because Borderlands was unplayable. It's like, oh, this is not the next generation handheld that it was bigged up to be. I'll tell you the real tragedy is... I I do think it's safe... It's fair to say it's dead. Like, by all... By all standard metrics, it's dead in the mortar. But the love that certain people have for the Vita is still alive. Like... If you were to ask, like, like I, I know this because I did, um, I did the voice acting on Plague Road. Um, mm. Now, Plague Road, it's got a bit of a mixed reception and whatnot. I'm not going to speak for the game itself. Um, I, I didn't uh, get through to playing it myself yet. I was doing the voices. Um, but one thing I've learned uh, from them uh, was that the PS Vita version, if I recall correctly, did best did better than mm. uh, Steam and PS4. Now, it's not; to, it didn't do all that great on, on Steam anyway, but apparently this runs with what Arcade Distillery have noticed with all of their games, is there's this hardcore contingent of PS Vita buyers yeah. who will snap up anything. Like, there is still, so long as you're, you're budgeting right... You can still make money off the Vita if you wanted to. It's it's it's, it's really demonstrated by the fact that two or three times a week I still get press releases for new indie games on the Vita. Yeah, and yeah. like it, it's one of those things that like there was a real pivoting point, and it was it was within the same couple of months that Borderlands Two tanked was this big moment where Sony made a real effort to court indie developers from Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, like this is around the time that a lot of Xbox indie developers are starting to complain about poor practices at Microsoft and Sony starts going very out of their way at this point to go, hey, we're going to be really, 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 really nice to you. Please bring your games over to us and our nice shiny handheld. And while the Vita was never really up to playing things like Borderlands 2 properly, 
it was a far better portable indie machine than the 3DS ever was. Uh, the 3DS just didn't have its eShop in the right place to support mm. indie indie studios. Even if it did, it's the hardware, sucks, the hard, yeah. yeah, the ha- the hardware struggled to the degree that you had to significantly tone back a lot of indie games to get them to run. Mm-hmm. And it's like the 3DS was never going to be the indie machine, but if you wanted portable, high quality indie games on the go, Sony lent into that hard when it became clear that AAA just wasn't the direction they were going. Yeah, and they they made some, like the bigger developers made some major mistakes with with. Mm. With what their belief of what a PS Vita game should be. Um, I, I had a big problem with, like, big budget tech demos on there. Uh, for, for tech that's been demonstrated, it, um, the Resistance game that was on PS Vita was terrible for this, lousy for this. Like, putting touchscreen controls, mandatory touchscreen controls, in the middle of the screen... Uh, for you to do simple uh. things like opening doors or interacting with environments, I, I, I forget exactly what, but but like like they were f- making the gimmicks first and then putting the game around them. Um, yeah. By contrast, uh, a lesser known game, I think it was published by Sony, but it wasn't as as big uh, a profile game. It was called Unit Thirteen, and mm. Unit Thirteen had. And I still maintain this. The best use of a touchscreen I've certainly seen in a traditional style um, portable game. In, in, a, in one of those PS Vita, we're trying to look like a big AAA game on a handheld. The mm. best use of a touchscreen that ever there was, was there was this little tiny grenade picture in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, right near where your thumb was anyway, near the thumbstick, near the face buttons, and it was just an extra button. You just press that bit of the screen, you throw a grenade. It was simple, it was efficient, it added functionality because it gave me another button. They didn't have to map one of the other useful buttons on the Vita just for grenades. It was on the screen, but it was right near the buttons. I wasn't, like, taking my hand off the controller and poking shit in the middle of the screen. And, you know, people... I'm sure some people would laugh at that because it sounds so mundane and boring. But that's why it was so fucking good. Because (laughs) mundane and boring is often the best thing to put in your game from a function standpoint. Boring but practical beats, flashy and inefficient and useless to the player every Mm. time agreed so yeah you should go read that feature that's probably up by now on kotaku.co.uk go read that that that's a thing that i'm gonna a lot of this week doing i think you can tell by the fact that i just like all you were doing was just telling me you were doing an article and then i went on some massive rant (laughs) about fucking about the ps vita i've got a lot of feelings on the ps vita that's that's, that's all right it's been a long day it gave me a second to catch my breath Um, (laughs) I, um, we... I've still got it. I've, I've got my PS Vita on my table, um, right on my, my comfortable armchair in the living room that I sit on. 
um, with my vibrating uh, back cushion thing mm. that Carl Catron sent me, bless him, uh, when my back last year was at its worst. Um, and it's there. I can't find the charger for it because of Sony's fucking proprietary charge <laughs> cable shit. But every yeah. time I see it, it's in its little baggie, in its little PS Vita pouch. And I'm like, oh, I used to take that with me on trips. Well, I, oh. I'm, I, I started using mine again recently, and it's why I thought about doing this feature, is because I've been, mm-hmm. I, I pulled my Vita back out to play uh, Danganronpa on. I, I wanna. I wanna. Yeah. I, I'll need to find it or rebuy a charge cable, but there was some great exclusive stuff on there. Um, and, and, and it got better when they took some of the like good PSP games and put them on it as well, um, unless I'm imagining that. Uh, I thought they did. Maybe they. Maybe I'm thinking of the PSP Go, which no one should ever think of. Um, <laughs> but Sony itself, and and again, this might end up in you know this gym position. I I may do on the Vita. Um, it, it, they are a magpie. Is their problem? They mm. like the new shiny thing, and no matter what they promise about how much they're going to support something, they don't. And well- like the the disappointing thing about the Vita that sticks with me is, I feel like it was so close to being something fantastic because the things they were aiming for and the things that Sony experimented with with the Vita are kind of the blueprint for what Nintendo's successfully running with now, which was yeah, high powered gaming handheld that at least when the the Vita TV or the PlayStation TV came out. You can take your high-powered gaming handheld games and put them on the TV with a nice controller when you get home. Yeah, The yeah. blueprints were all there, they just didn't quite nail it, and I do feel kind of bad for Sony in that regard. I mean, I don't feel bad for Sony because I think they brought it on themselves. I feel bad for the poor fuckers at Sony who worked on the PS Vita. Okay, yeah, um, that's fair. Because, cause like I say, they're, they've got this magpie attitude. They They'll make a system... They'll shove it out there and then think, fuck it. Unless it's like a flagship like the PS4, PS3, PS2. Um, they throw these things out there and just expect them to succeed on their own. And if they don't, they think, fuck it. Yeah, uh, but like, Jim, the PS Vita needed Sony's Jim, support. Didn't you hear the news this week from Sony where Sony said, uh, yeah. oh, the market for handheld consoles, That oh, there's no market for handheld consoles. No console that is portable Poor will shit. sell well. There's no market for it. They ne- I mean, I know that they decided to withdraw, but if they're if that's the way they're doing it, if they're trying to save face that way, it's like no, 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 no. There is a market. There's not just a market for handheld stuff, as obviously Nintendo proves constantly. There's a market for the Vita. It still exists. It's and still getting games. I'm it's still, still getting picking games. it up and going. Yes, I would rather play Danganronpa on the Vita than on the PS4. Honestly, yeah, yeah. There are certain games that you know. I, I I speak about this often when I'm playing certain games uh, on on my channel. Like I'm like, this is a really good game, and I'd probably want to stick with it more if it was portable. I could take it somewhere. A lot of roguelites are like that. Like they 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 always just seem to to. I always seem to want to play them. Like, like someone put Eldritch on the Switch, please. Mm. I'd like to play. I liked Eldritch. It's a charming little one. It's a. It's not the best the uh, game out still, there, but the, the Vita's still my favorite place to play Binding of Isaac. Yeah, for me it was until um, you know Afterbirth and that happened. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, then... in terms of just like the core experience of like mm-hmm. this is Binding of Isaac 
in my hands. It's just a really nice version of it. First time I ever beat Mega Satan was on the PS Vita 1. I got a great memory of it. I went to uh, uh, GamerX, the the LGBTQ uh, game convention. Uh, it was the mor- morning when I was due to fly back home because I, I went to Oregon road tripped it there to, uh, with my friend Jill because she wanted to road trip but obviously didn't want to road trip on her own so I'm like well fuck it I'll fly I'll fly to yours we'll road trip it up unwise on my part I was just adding so much fucking travel um but that morning Jill's place um she was still a bed I was up playing PS Vita got soy milk mixed with I forget which one it was. It was one of the two Mega Tears ones. So obviously I'm having the best fucking time. Uh, breeze it to Mega Satan. And I just got a great memory of just sitting on the couch with that Vita. Um, even the 3DS one. Like I bought that one as well because apparently there just isn't a version of The Binding of Isaac I won't get. Um, Thanksgiving last year, I think, in, in a creepy hunter's house like it was a nice house but it was just I, I think that's part of what made it creepy because there was all this norman Bates shit everywhere um deer heads and and little cats and things not not house cats you know like like wild cats uh, that this guy had shot and stuffed and put everywhere so i'm here in this menagerie of death uh playing binding of isaac to shut out the horror on the outside um <laughs> Like, it's not like I've got major uh, hunting uh, issues. Uh, you know, I eat meat, all that shit. But I don't want to be surrounded by the corpses. Some people do, that's fine. But me, I'm not a corpseman. So I'll, I'll just escape <laughs> with the Binding of Isaac. Um, oh. But yeah, yeah. So, God, we're, we're, we're saying a lot. Uh, and, and it's not focused, but it's all on theme, so I think it's going well. It, it's one of those days. I think we're both in an interesting headspace today. It's fine. Oh, no doubt. Um, should we do some news? Let's do some news. Jim, do you want to spend 50,000 euros on some Assassin's Creed tat? It's all I've ever wanted to do. Okay. I've been saving oh. up all my euros for this. Are you do you, are you ready to hear what Assassin's Creed tap fifty thousand euros can buy you? Okay. Um, to help me out beforehand, mm. uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure of the conversion rate of that. Um, I will what do is that the to com- pounds. Uh, I. I can do it to pounds and to the US dollar if you okay. give me a moment. Oh yeah, both would be great. Fifty thousand euros to. GBP, that is uh, 40, £44,000. What? Okay, or... so 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 euros aren't like... Because bear in mind, like I've never touched a euro in my life. I don't uh, know what euros, euros are like. They're not euros, like yen. No, they're, they're not that <laughs> far from pounds. So 50,000 euros, 44,000 great British pounds, or let me have a look. Fifty-nine thousand um, US dollars. Okay, so okay, so for sixty grand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. What's so Ubisoft gonna, give? I'm, this is going to be an okay. Ubisoft section on the position, um, isn't it? Okay. Um, I'm not going to start actually at that top end. I'm going to start with okay. the uh, the frankly cheap by comparison. Uh, only twelve thousand euros, so about a third of the price. Maybe about. Oh, 20- that's reasonable. So maybe about twenty thousand US dollars. <laughs> uh-huh. You can get a bronze 
bust of the head of the protagonist of Assassin's Creed Origins. Okay. You can get Malik's head as a bronze busk for for about 20,000 US dollars, right? That classic character that we all want. Yeah, that that classic character that none of us have actually played a game containing yet. You can spend yeah. twenty thousand US dollars now. I'm sure he's very head, iconic. Yeah, to get his head as a bronze bust. All right. If you have the full fifty thousand euros, you can get the bronze bust, but it is wearing some headphones. These are what? no ordinary headphones. These <laughs> are. Gold-plated Assassin's Creed headphones <laughs> atop, atop a bronze bust of Malik from Assassin's Creed Origins for fifty thousand euros for, for sixty fucking thousand dollars. For uh, Jim, sixty, Jim, would you like to see a photo in the Skype chat of what you get for your sixty thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sending it to Jim in the Skype chat. If you want to see it, go to kotaku.co.uk. Go look up my article on this. Um, it is loading. Can you see the file, Jim? It's uh, downloading now just because Comcast's a piece of shit. It's, um, it's a big old picture. Let's have a look. Let's open this up. Just, just open it, window. Oh, my God, that is atrocious. It is a disgusting bronze bust that doesn't really look much like a face. Yeah, uh, like he looks like he looks like a statue of a leper at the London dungeon. Like I've seen the character wearing Malik. beats by Dre. <laughs> I have seen this character in trailers, and he looks like quite a cool character. He does not look cool in this bust. He and looks like he's asleep. He can't also, be listening to very good music either. Also, that or he's got like rainfall sounds to you, help you him know, get off to sleep. You know, the first time you wear those headphones outside, you're going to get mugged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll steal the headphones. I think they will mug you on principle. <laughs> so, Jesus yeah, that's Christ. that's 50,000 euros, about $60,000 you get that. That is that's the tat equivalent of <laughs> whale hunting. That is that is we're not going to sell many of these, but very I'm, much like with people who who are going to spend like ten grand on microtransactions, some fuckers going to so get this. You can't order these online. If you want to get them, you have to go to the the jewelry company that makes them in France, in Paris, and Jesus. presumably you have to walk in looking like you might have fifty thousand dollars of disposable income, <laughs> and you have to ask them very nicely to get it out from the back of the office so that they can show it to you. <laughs> you have to ask very nicely to see it, and that's the only way that you can go buy one. Like you're buying porn or a Gary Glitter LP. Yeah, you just walk in in your very fancy suit that looks like you might be rich, and you go, "I'm uh here to see your headphone bust." I hear you've got Assassin's Creed behind the counter. <laughs> the jeweler goes over to the door, turns the open sign, turns it around to closed. Come this way. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, that is amazing. I might just sort of edit this this little bit of the podcast down and make it the OUbisoft segment for Monday. Oh, go ahead. Holy shit. <laughs> well, that's fun. I mean, look, yeah. I'm not one to judge the purchase of Tat. If you've got $60,000 that's in desperate need of expenditure... Like, uh, if you justify this as a tax write-off or whatever, go for it. Like, I buy tat. I am sat here surrounded. I've got Zant 
next to Ganondorf. I've got Blade from Puppet Master that I bought for 200 bucks on a whim, you know, because I saw it and was like, oh man, I liked Puppet Master as a child. Like, I'll buy some shit. And, and, and I, I mean, I've got a pile of Boglin boxes that one day will fall over and crush me to death. So I'm not judging, but also, holy fuck. If you have six, uh, if you have sixty thousand dollars or fifty thousand euros, I will buy a pair of headphones, get a gold sharpie, and draw the Assassin's Creed logo <laughs> onto the headphones. Make a plaster cast like bust of my face. Put the headphones on the bust, and you can have that. You probably just get better headphones as well. Like I bet they're not even that great. I don't know uh, what well, what make they are. They're focal. Whoever Focal. they are. Apparently the, the microphone is a very fancy, does fancy things microphone that's super... Cl- Do you want me to just read you the press release of how they talk about this? Because it's quite... Let's have a I look. I mean, give me the highlights. Let, let, we'll, we'll take the highlights of that. Because okay, I don't uh, think I could stand to hear too much I'm, more about I'm this. Having, I'm having a look. The headphones are at least Bluetooth. They're wireless. That's cool. Uh, uh-huh. French expertise and sophisticated design. The quality Ooh. of focal headphones will let them enjoy quality sound for up to 20 hours while immersing themselves into the huge world of Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, okay. Also... That makes it sound like the headphones only work with Assassin's Creed Origins. I cannot confirm or deny that currently. <laughs> uh, they are also equipped with a clear voice capture. That's in quotes. Clear voice capture is like a thing they've quoted. A double microphone system for even greater clarity of speech and conversation. No. The design celebrates the upcoming launch of the new Assassin's Creed game, involving French jeweler Tournier, a synonym for excellence and uniqueness in jewellery. Focal have pushed the partnership on Assassin's Creed even further. Blah, blah, blah. Handcrafted headphones. Uh, a 3D artist and an art caster and a goldsmith made it. It took months, right. apparently. Decadence. Uh, Decadence. Yellow gold... Celebrates Egypt, 18 karat gold elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there I are just... 10 of them. There are 10 of these. 10 of them. Um, and they probably will sell. I mean, uh, I mean, once once Shkrell is out of jail, he'll pick one up, I'm sure. Um, but really, like, like, this is... I mean, Ubisoft really are the... the Monarchs of excess. Is is this is this why we're not rich yet? We've not yet <laughs> tried to sell people fifty thousand dollar headphones just to see if they would. I'm terrible at marketing. Like like we we've been wanting to do a pin set of the the Jimquisition characters as seen in the intro since the new intro, but we're terrible at marketing. Like this this is why Ubisoft are. Huge multi-millionaire, billionaires, whatever. It's why Yves Jumeau can afford five of these headphones and I can't. Um, it's a miracle that I do as well as I do because I don't self-promote and I don't do merch very much. Most of the time when I do merchandise, I'm just making things that I will then purchase. I won't even talk to the company about a comp. I'll purchase it and <laughs> wear it because same. I... I wanted a Mysterio shirt. No one was selling them, so I did my own parody Mysterio shirt and bought it. 
and very few other people did. So that one got so, like like they sold off the excess and got rid of it. Um, because okay. apparently people just want Inquisition stuff. But if, if you are good. aged eighteen plus and have ten grand lying around, I'll sell you a plaster cast of my butt. There you go, ten grand. There is, there's a lot I'd do for ten grand. Um, if you've got it, uh, wouldn't it go? I mean, obviously I'll give you a hand job. I mean that. I'll give that's you a hand that's job. That's good saying. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's enough of that. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to think about gold heads anymore. Uh, did did uh, let's go to this one. Did you know that Atari's making a new home console? Wait, another one. Uh, this did we the, have this conversation? We we had this conversation a little while back. We had the conversation yeah. about the Atari box, and we kind yeah. of knew that it was going to have retro Atari games on it, and they said something vague about, like, oh, it'll play modern games, and we weren't oh, quite right, sure what yeah. that meant at the time. Well, we kind of have more of an idea of what that means now, because we know roughly how much the Atari box is going to cost when it launches in spring next year. Mm-hmm. It's gonna cost more than a PS4. Um. Okay. Uh. What the fuck? Yeah. No. Apparently, like they are looking at the three hundred dollar plus price point for the Atari box. Mm-hmm. And it, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's basically gonna be what the Steam boxes were going to be. But right, without, that was my thought. But yeah. without the sort of confusing, like, here is a bunch of different brands of them, it's, here is a box that comes installed with a variation of a Linux OS, comes pre-installed mm-hmm. with a bunch of Atari games, and any Steam games that come out in the future that this box is powerful enough to play and have Linux builds, you can play on it. I'll tell you what, despite my initial reaction... Depending on how much more than a PS4 that is, and depending on... I mean, I'm not going to be a, uh, like an early adopter on this shit. I want to see some reviews first. But that could be useful for the way I play games. That yeah. Could, that has some real potential for me. I see a point to it. I, I'm going to keep an eye on this now. Like that, mm. when you first hit me with that price point, because of what we first thought of an Atari box, but Atari box that is basically a Steam box with, you know, some Atari shit thrown in for good measure. All right, that's that's the beginning of a conversation I'm willing to have. That, so, I won't say I'm biting off on the deal, but that's the start so, of the conversation. There is a second foot that does have to drop. Oh, okay. Uh, I forgot we're so, talking about the gaming yeah. industry. Of course so, there is. Yeah, we have a sort of like 250 to $300 price range. It will run sort of Linux, Steam games and things like that. Yeah. It's launching in spring, but it's not just going to be a product you go out and buy. Because oh dear. in the coming Do you have to of... go to a jeweler's and tell them <laughs> that you're here for this? I'm here for the Atari box. <laughs> no, no. Worse than that. Oh, it's going no. to be on Indiegogo this fall. Oh, for fuck's... Oh, for fuck's... Uh, ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, will you be bashing it on Indiegogo, Jim? <laughs> no. No, probably... Uh, oh, well, never say never. Let's have a look at... 
here's the thing. If it's got blinking lights on the front, I might get overexcited. <laughs> um, this, this is why I hate microtransactions so much, because that's how easy I am to be, like, fooled into parting with my money. Like, if it's got some blinking lights on it, then it, I might back it, it. It is made of some nice, like, very nice textured wood effect. Oh, yeah. um, oh, textured wood, you textured say? Textured wood, I oh, know. Well, oh, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a cup of tea on, and you can tell me all about the textured wood. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you why? all about the texture of your wood. <laughs> uh, uh, so, okay, Antigogo. So they're they're crowdfunding this. That it's obviously I am big on crowdfunding. It's, yes, it's the reason yes. this podcast exists. Uh, I, lo- I I love crowdfunding. I I I like it. I like a reason to put down some money on something. Um, maybe a bit too much because I have had my my better half say, "Look, you you should probably stop with all of the kickstarting of the toys." So this is tempting-ish, um, but. When hardware is on Indiegogo and other such things, I'm like, okay, now I'm a little bit worried that you haven't made this and don't know what you're actually capable of yet. Um, that may not be true, but that's mm. the perception I get when hardware... I mean, let's face it, this might not be a fair brush to tar everything with, but we all remember the UER. Yeah, yeah. And that has coloured a lot of it for me. And I know that's not fair. And I know it was many years ago. But a game is a lower investment if you kickstart it. And, and and remember, I shouldn't say investment. Like, we're not really investing in these things. You're paying for a chance for a game to be good. You're gambling. Uh, mm. it, it's, you're gambling, but... It's not loot boxes. It's it's a bit more upfront than that, but it is still nonetheless some sort of gamble, a wager. Um, you're paying for the opportunity to maybe get a good game, and when you do that with expensive hardware, then I'm a little bit okay. Mm. Now you're asking. Now now this is a big ask, and I want to support this kind of stuff. But unless it's a product that I've got some evidence that it's worth believing in, then then I'm I'm that's when my excitement levels sort of drop. Like, like you say, that is where the, the shoe drops. Mm. The the thing I, yeah. I, I'm not sure if this makes me more or less excited, uh, or more or less sort of hesitant on it being an Indiegogo, is the fact that there's only about a six month window between the Indiegogo and when they're planning to release. Because okay. they're planning to crowdfund in fall and have the thing start shipping in spring. Right. Okay, well, I mean, that suggests that... I mean, I would imagine they've done a lot of work on it already. Um, have they mentioned what they need the crowdfunding for? Because that's always uh, worth knowing, is, is like, if they've already got a product or they're mostly there towards a product um normally knowing exactly what the the money's for can sort of help me decide whether or not these guys are just like pulling stuff out their ass yeah actually have a product this this is atari who are a company who have shipped consoles in the past so there is a certain degree of 
Yeah. I might by the same give token, you some benefit of the doubt. By the same token, this is Atari. A yeah. publisher that, A, went out of business for a long time, B, was picked up by another company, C, spent a lot of last year and the year before taking all of its beloved properties and mangling them and mm. producing some of the worst games I've played. Uh, I'm thinking about Haunted House. Uh, I believe it was Haunted House. Um, that was, I mean, like when I first started playing it, I thought it was a like a full-on remake of some game released, like an old PC adventure game released in the 90s. And... That's not hyperbole. You can go and look at the video. It's on my channel. Look up Haunted House. It looks so atrociously bad that when I found out that it was a brand new game released that year, I was in shock. Um, then, there, of course, their most famous one uh, of recent time was Alone in the Dark Illumination, the co-op game that's all about staying in the light. I love pointing that out because then I get to say it's a game about being with people in the light, which is sort of the opposite of what the game is. Uh, they did an Asteroids that was in early access that was some sort of... I think it wanted to be Minecraft, but there was so little gameplay going on, I'm not sure exactly what they were going for. But they basically systematically went through everything you could have known and loved Atari for and took a hot dump all over it. So... That was going to be my next question was, who exactly is making the Atari box? Is this officially Atari, or did Atari lend them lend the name out to a different company? Because if it is Atari, or indeed sort of the zombie Atari that's being controlled by another company now, that gives me less confidence. I'd be more confident if it was someone I didn't know. In this case, it's not better the devil you know, not, not with modern-day Atari. Currently, we don't know, so I guess we'll probably I find out more it. when the Indiegogo launches. Yeah. Uh, quick. Uh, I of... want to oh. just just a quick just just, just a quickly uh, wrap oh, yeah, that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to be behind this. I the, the even though I used to think there wasn't much point to it, as someone, especially with the way my back got, and the more I wanted to just sort of use my comfy armchair and everything, and I know I could drag out a PC or I could try and make Steam Link work with the shitty fucking Wi-Fi we've got here. Um, you know, there are ways I could do it, but to just very simply have a box to just whack into the TV and it would allow me to do reviews of a lot more PC games and stuff like that. Um, so, in theory, I want to back this. Uh, the idea as well that it is one unified console without a whole bunch of ones to choose from... Um, the fact that it's got, you know, all these old Atari games on it just for a nice bonus. I want to be on board with this, but when that Indiegogo goes up, I want to go through it with a fine tooth comb. Valyrian steel tooth comb. That's it. <laughs> That's what I thought. A uh, quick bit of news we had while recording the podcast... Uh, apparently Volitions uh, laid off a bunch of staff because uh, Agents oh. of Mayhem really didn't sell well. I'm not surprised. Yeah. You you tried to sell a game based on nostalgia for Saints Row that was nothing like Saints Row, and, and it wasn't very good. Um, you wanted that... it to simultaneously be both 
Saints Row and not Saints Row, and, and no yeah. one knew what whether they wanted it. Yeah, and it was just a kind of... It was an alright game, you know? It was okay. I played it, I got some enjoyment from it, but it was so forgettable. I mean, when when... The year-end awards are coming up, and people are giving out awards for the best games of the year, and people like me are also giving out awards for both the worst games of the year and also the little written one I do on the website, the Mediocre Awards. Agents of Mayhem's name is not going to come up. I, I, I don't think it would be remarkable enough to make worst lists. It certainly won't make many or, or any best lists. I'm not even going to put it in my mediocre reward. Is it too mediocre it to just, get a mediocre reward? It was all right. That's the thing. It was it was okay. It, but that's all it was. It was a weekend's worth of okay, completely forgettable gameplay. And and I'm really sad about the layoffs. I mean, I don't want to... I'm worried I was sounding a bit smug there. Um, like, I adore Volition as a company. I... I have a great admiration for what that studio did with Saints Row as a series. Um, I did an episode, I think I think the video was just called Neutered, and it was on, it was an old sort of pre-independent Jimquisition, and it talked about how some people think that if you can't do racist jokes, if you can't do sexist jokes, if you can't be edgy and offensive, you can't be funny. Or indeed, you can't be risque or edgy. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't have, have used edgy beforehand to then say edgy. I hate reusing <laughs> words. It's it's the writer in me. Um, but Saints Row proved that you can be crass, you can be edgy, you can be uh, over the top, out there, rude, vulgar. And somehow, relatively inclusive, somehow, you you can do it while avoiding alienating vast swathes of your audience. And it's something I feel is is, is part partly an inspiration for how I try and do the Junquisition now. Is you can play around with big dildos. You can make sex jokes. You can be disgusting. Uh, you could do real gross humour, but you can do it in a way that doesn't make groups of people feel like they're being unfairly picked on, like they're being laughed at for doing nothing. Um, and Saints Row was that. As of Saints Row 3 and 4, Saints Row 2 was brilliant in a different way. Um, and that's something I, again, might want to dedicate... Uh, uh, an article or a video to at some point but the Saints Row series what it became was one of the most outrageous series the industry has ever had and it did it while being one of I'm not saying it was perfect but it was one of the lesser offensive games out there and was still brilliant was still vulgar and if anything because they weren't going out of their way to be offensive they worked harder for it. It it allowed them, rather than imprison your speech, rather than, um, as, as I said in the video, rather than neutering your ability to be funny or creative, it makes you more creative. Um, you know, I, I 
there are certain words and phrases and, and stuff that I don't use on the Jimquisition that I used to use. You know, I used to drop all sorts of words and terms and things. Uh, these days, and I know some people will go, eh, Jim, you've been SJW, but I like to keep my insults and my phrases fairly gender neutral, uh, that sort of thing. And not to show off about it, it's just, I, it costs me nothing to do that. It costs me nothing to not alienate my audience you know, and it's made me more creative, because yeah, I can say things like man up, you know, or grow some bowls and stuff like that, I could say that, but it's easy, everyone says it, and come up with better terms, and I have done, and I will continue to do so, and Saints Row is a great example of that sort of thing, it's a great example of, of taking what others would call censorship as a challenge to expand your vocab. And I think it's really sad that the Agents of Mayhem was nowhere near the game it could have and should have been. And it just sucks. Those layoffs suck. Volition is one of those developers still in the AAA game industry that I that I, I maintain a measure of respect for and that I genuinely think give a real shit. So that sucks. That sucks. Yeah, indeed it does. Uh, Going right. on a lot of monologues today. Um, it's, it's been one of those days today, I think. It's it's cool. We all have yeah. those days. I've made my mouth go dry with it. I'm going to need to grab a glass of water in a second. So I think what I'm going to do is um, I'll wait till you kick up a monologue and then run and grab some water and run back so I don't miss too much of it. <laughs> Well, you've only got to power through eight minutes, Jim. Can you manage that? Eight more minutes of your mouth drying out slowly, slowly. Oh, God, arid like the desert. <laughs> um, shit, we have blazed through. It's been so- I've had a lot of fun today. It's, uh, it's it, we, We've really whizzed through things. It's been, but, a, it's um, been a fun old episode, and I hope that it is en- as enjoyable to listen to as it was to record this one. A uh, couple, of, couple of quick things before we go. Uh, did we talk about last week the uh, NES version of Golf with motion controls that's baked into the Switch? We did not, no. Okay. I've been seeing stories about it, but I've not followed it followed okay. it very much. So I'll, I'll kind of wrap up the whole story then. So the short version mm-hmm. is there's been some awareness for a little bit of time that there is baked into the like the system level code of the Switch, there is a file called Flog which people were trying to work out what it was. They thought for a while it might be an NES emulator. And eventually some hackers managed to get it running. And it's an NES emulator containing the NES game Golf that has like full motion controls and things built into it. Um, And a lot of people were wondering, is this here as like a test bed for virtual console when it comes out or something like that? And people have worked out what seems to be the case. Satoru Iwata was the person, or one of the people primarily involved in creating Golf for the NES. It was one of the first sort of big projects he worked on. Mm. And it seems that it's been put in there as a tribute that unlocks on the anniversary of his passing away. Um, If you watched Iwata during any of the Nintendo Directs where he does the sort of thing where he puts his hands up and then, you know, points them downwards, he's sort of like... Yeah. Yeah, his thing he does with his hands during the Direct... If on the day 
the anniversary of his passing, if you make that motion with your Joy-Cons, you apparently unlock golf on the NES with motion <laughs> controls as just a little, you know, tribute to Iwata. And, uh, like, Nintendo hasn't commented on this, but um, basically the only way to get access to it now without waiting for that date to roll around is to have a Switch that you haven't yet connected to the internet and mess with its date. But the idea seems to be that it's in there so that because the Switch was so much Iwata's sort of passion project that he never really got to see come to fruition, it's just a little piece of him in every Switch that just kind of, you know, with everyone that buys one. And that's just a really sweet, heartwarming story, I think. It's a nice story, I think. I mean, I will never play NES Golf. But that it's in there, and that it's just like you say, like there's a a bit of a water in every switch. Um, that is nice. I mean, it's just it's it, that's that kind of thing that makes me think about you know mortality a lot. Like mm. this guy put all of you know put so much of himself into the switch was obviously a big um, backer of it. Was was really behind it. And didn't get to see it. Didn't get to see it succeed and 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 do what I'm sure he hoped it would do um, at the market and everything. And that's just sometimes I think like like imagine some of the world's biggest Star Wars fans were dead before um, the new ones were announced. Even like some of the biggest Star Wars fans in the world, you know who who loved them in the 70s probably long past when uh the force awakens was out and and i think about stuff like that a lot and i'm like man i'm gonna die and there might be new boglins <laughs> it it can be sad to think about that stuff that way but like on the other side it is really it's really sweet and uplifting to picture the side of it that is sure Awata might not have been around for the switch you know, launching and taking off the way it did. But considering how much of himself he put into that becoming a product, you know, he now gets to live on in this product that he worked on that, you know, he still is... exists and... Holy shit, he's the world's first ghost in the machine. <laughs> like, I always had... I always had respect for Iwata because he was one of the few video game executives who didn't come across as a complete and total cock jockey. Like, I mean, the guy took pay cuts and shit. Like, he seemed to be a stand-up guy. Like, rather than layoffs, it was like he took hits and stuff like that. Like, he always seemed earnest and sincere and one of the few executives who actually loved the business of games. And... I think it's fucking badass that he's the ghost in the machine now. I love that Iwat is the ghost in the machine. He is... I'm sorry that I got a bit depressing and morbid no, no. for a moment. I, I, but... think, I think that was a really nice way for us to sort of wrap up toward the end of the show, because there's a couple of little bits we could talk about, but I, I think that's a really nice place to, to end this week. I think that's good, yeah. I mean, like, the only game I played to any degree was uh, White Day, a labyrinth named Skull, and you don't need me to talk about that. 
Uh, uh, what you need to do is, like, just keep watching my YouTube channel because I've captured so much hilar- unintentionally hilarious footage from that game that I'm, I've got plenty of B-roll to use for things. Uh, I think the only thing I played this week was uh, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. Danganronpa! If you want another game where teenagers are trapped in a school and have to murder each other and solve the murders <laughs> to not get murdered, this is another of those. That's what I heard. I heard it was more of the same. And like they put Which, a new cast. Which not necessarily they, an yeah, awful thing. No, they put in a new cast and like the cast, like working out what's going on with the cast is the whole appeal of those games. So I'm happy to have yeah. like the same strong core structure again. It's another Danganronpa. You'll know if you'll like it or not. I only played the first one. Um, I loved its sense of style. It it reminded me of the Persona games in that regard, in that it had this real bombastic sense of of like like a gaudy Las Vegas style to it to some of its presentation that that the Persona games nailed. Um, there was just something about when things kicked up into high gear when the trials were happening and all this shit. Um, great presentation. Great presentation. Interesting story. Um, God, I should replay the first. Replay the first, give the second a go at last. They, they're they all like pretty consistently like, yeah, that was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I adored the first one. Weird yeah. as heck, but uh, I, you know, I you equally enjoyed nice. the second one in the same ways that I enjoyed the first, and the third I have enjoyed in very similar ways to the second. It's all just, am I craving more Danga Romper? Let's play the next one that I've not played yet. Well, hey, so so long as it's it still lasts, you know, and be forgiving of certain games that retread ground if that ground hasn't been done better by someone else in the meantime. And it's still really fucking good. I mean, this is why I've still got a lot of patience for certain Dynasty Warriors games. Less patience for a lot of them than I used to have. But they're certainly the main ones. Um, Danganronpa, stuff like that. You know, there are plenty of games that come out and there are only minor changes. But I can respect it if if it's still really good. Sometimes there are games, like, like that was the famous argument I had with Cliffy B back in the day when I gave uh, Gears of War 3 a lower score than I'd given Gears of War 2. And you can almost see his logic in the, but we made it better. Gears of War 3 is technically better. Um, you know, we improved things with the code and stuff like that. It looks better. It's got refinements. But the gameplay didn't have the staying power for me to be as into it by three as I was in two and one. And and that's the kind of, especially with third entries in games, there is a fatigue that is going to come with it. That no ma- You can make a better version of a game that you've already made, but it, it, it might not be a better experience. Because some of that magic, some of that joie de vivre has gone. Yeah, you you put that very well. Woo. Yeah, that's another tangential. Mo- I'm going on a lot of tangential no, monologues this, this today. Is, this is good. I think, I think, I think we've summarised everything on the thing in pretty much bang on an hour at a really good pace today. Woo. Nice clip. Nice clip. Looks good. We did well. 
All right, then. I guess if we're ready to wrap up, we're ready to wrap up. Works for you me. ready to wrap up? I'm All ready right. to wrap up. I'm ready to wrap up. I'm ready to wrap up. All right, then. Um, Laura, how can people find out more of your work? Me and my work, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K Buzz, Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on a bunch of podcasts, uh, Dice Funk, Polyarmory, uh, Pixel Squirt, bunch bunch of podcasts. Just Google Laura K Buzz, you'll probably find it all. Okay, and as for me... Well, if you're listening to this, you probably know most of the details. But as usual, thank you so much for your support. Um, thank you for the Patreon support lately. Um, that's been kicking up a bit more. Uh, commentocracy seemed to really inspire people. Uh, and again, thank you once more for the great reception to the pilot of that. And I hope that the next episodes are, are just as entertaining and just as successful. Um, not got much else to report. Uh, Loose Boys is coming, but like I say, animation's difficult. Um, but we, we, we are working towards some fun stuff for October. October is my favourite month for content, because it's spooky month. So we're going to try and gonna try and do some spookiness this year, as usual, and, and hopefully that'll be good. Uh, until next time, Aboom. then. Ah, that was me. Ah! <laughs> me doing the scariness. Ah. Oh no, now my pants are full of poo. So well, I'm going to have to go It's good clean that we're near the out. end, yeah. We're, we're right at the end, so I'm going to go wipe my ass and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>